This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, church. They really do say good morning. That is so awesome. I know what it's like to stand up and say good morning. Well, at least it is for you, not for you, Pastor Shane. There we go. Oh, it is so great to be with you today. I have been praying for you since January, and I have long, just as the conversations kept progressing, I've had a longing in my heart to meet you. Um, There's a couple of uh, things I would like to do before I share the teaching this morning. First of all, um, I don't know if when you came in or not, if you paused to look at the beautiful flower beds and landscaping, but yesterday there was a team here working on that. Can we give those guys a round of applause? They did such a great job. It was so wonderful. Yes. And then I would like to say to you uh, that your search team and your stewards have done a remarkable job representing you. I have had zero surprises. They have represented you well. And so can we give a round of applause for those guys as well? And I, I say this with intense seriousness. I love Pastor Ron and Miss Monica. I told Pastor Ron yesterday, this is the first time as a pastor I have felt such a huge heart connection with a pastor that I've never met. And they have served you well. Can we give some love to these guys? Well done, guys. Now, I'm, I want you to do something here. Y- y'all are okay being loud, right? Okay, I, I, I have three people that I want you to say hi to. My, my mom is checking us out, and she is doing her assessment. So it, it's, it, it's okay. And my daughter, Mackenzie, is checking us out. And then one of my dear mentors, Dr. John Taves, and his daughter, Jennifer, are watching this morning as well. Can we just say hi? Hi. (laughs) All right, fantastic. Let's pray. So Father, I come before you this morning and I'm immensely grateful for this church and what it's doing in the community. Father, I, I know sometimes when we're in the middle of things that sometimes we can lose sight of how special something is. But Father, this is a special place with a special people. And Father, I am so thankful for what you have done and what you will continue to do through new life and its people. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so let's get started. Uh, The way of Jesus. So last week, Pastor Ron started Uh, a a continuation um, in the teaching of the book of Ephesians. And so today I'm going to be continuing uh, the next sermon in that series, and I've entitled it First Steps. Now, sometimes in a journey, oftentimes the first steps 
are the hardest steps. Uh, have you ever noticed that? So there was uh, a few years ago, um, and you guys will get to hopefully hear more of my story and my wife's story um, later on, and, and, and hopefully if the Lord keeps working the way that it's working. But um, I want you to know this. It was 16 years ago, our daughter died. And I went into a real slump. And I can remember the way I coped was eating. And I remember I got up to, what, about 340, Lori, something like that. And I can remember going to the gym and saying, I've got to change. I've got to change. But let me tell you, those first steps were the hardest steps. And thankfully, God had placed people in my life that weren't content with me taking just first steps. <laughs> They supported me and they loved me through that. And so first steps are often the hardest to take because it's the intention of the will to motivate us in a different direction or a different situation than norm, what we're normally in. And so today I've entitled it First Steps. And I want us to look here. Paul does this magnificent job of chaining things together. As a pastor, you know, I am so thankful for God's word. I love his word immensely, and I am so thankful. I'm going to use a word here, the intentionality in which it was written. And Paul is a master of intentionality. And so I want us to look here. In chapter 1, he says that he has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, when Paul's writing, he's writing to a group of people as well as to the single individual. And here he says that he's blessed you new life with every spiritual blessing. Why? So that we can accomplish the good works that he's laid out for us. He says that in chapter 2 and verse 10. And then last week, Pastor Ron preached on the the, the remaining verses of chapter 3, and he touched on chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, I'm going to do amazingly more than you could ever ask or think by the power that what? In us. See, when I was growing up as a child in church and even into my young adult years, for some reason, I had this misconception that the way that God changes things, the way that God works is kind of out there. And he does amazing things. So I'm going to pray and then God's going to work out there. And he does. But oftentimes the change that God wants to bring happens by the power of the Holy Spirit who works within us. And so if we want to see great things we have to put ourselves in positions to work for great things because it's the Holy Spirit in us, amen? And so keep that in mind as we move into this next chapter. So we're going to look at chapter 4, and I want us to look at these verses together. So chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, 
bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were also called. In one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. So I want us to look at verse 1 here. That, that very first word, therefore, signals, it's a signal from Paul that change is coming, that things are about to shift a little bit. Now, um, how many teachers do we have in the room? All right, fantastic. You guys are amazing, just amazing. I was one of those students that teachers just loved. Not at all. I remember one day I was sitting in class and it was the first day of school. Nobody, the new teacher didn't have a clue who anybody was and said they wanted us to go around and mark our names down in order. And she got the paper and she goes, Shane Woodleaf, where's Shane Woodleaf? Raise my hand. She's like, see this desk right here in front of me? This is yours for the rest of the year. I'm like, it's wartime. <laughs> so anyway, one of the things that you'll come to learn about me is that I am so grateful for my wife because she's an English teacher. And God knew that I struggled with the very basic concepts of English and grammar. So one of my big habits is a run-on sentence. Anyone in here have the run-on sentence? Okay. So... Believe it or not, Ephesians chapter 1 basically is an entire one sentence. Just one sentence. And, and, and if I'd have known that, I would have actually said to my teacher, because I grew up in a Christian school, I would have said, listen, if the inspired word has word run-ons, <laughs> who am I to change that, right? So anyway, but Paul here is using this word, therefore. So the sentence structures get shorter the pace starts to pick up. Some of the intensity starts to pick up. And so Paul is signaling us change here. And then he says something really interesting. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, this word walk has real significance for us. You know, it's, it's hard for us maybe to imagine a world where there are no cars. And there's not a lot of horses to ride thank the Lord. How many of you like riding horses? Oh boy. Oh boy. I just stepped in it. <laughs> horses and me, I love to pet them. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I'll just leave the horses alone. So, you know, in first century culture, it, everything happened at the speed of walking. Everything happened at the speed of walking. And so what Paul was cluing us into is this. He's like, as you go about life, as you're in your daily routines of life, I want you to walk out your calling. I love that because, how, you know, a lot of people like to-do lists. And I'm thankful that we're not getting one more thing on our to-do list because Paul says as you go to work, 
as you hang out with your neighbors, as you go through the community, as your kids are involved in sports teams and you're meeting new people, I want you to remember you're called to something. So it's to become part of our DNA. And there's one thing that I can tell you that's become loud and clear since I've been here is this is a church who walks well. This is a church who walks well in the community. This church is loved in the community. So well done, church, all right? Yeah, give yourself a yes, all right. Now, for, a one, for the person who's not good at grammar, I do know that there's nouns and verbs. And so Paul oftentimes, in order to um, really bring home a point, he will usually come at it from a couple of different ways. Or it seems like he's being repetitive, but he's not. It's kind of like when I was growing up and, and, and I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing, my mom would get my attention and go, Shane Woodleaf. I knew at that point I was one syllable away from the full name, and that was not good. And so what Paul does here, he's kind of doing the same thing. He wants us to understand because he uses the noun calling and the verb call, and that isn't random. It's intentional because he's trying to drive home to us that, hey, you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. He wants us to understand that deeply because it sets up the next series of verses. And so I am thankful that Paul gives us the first steps because I am convinced that there's no way we could figure out the first steps on our own. And I'd like to prove that. I wonder how many of you can relate to this story. So oftentimes, Lori and I will get in the car, and we're going to try to find somewhere to eat. And so I look over and say, hey, babe, where do you want to eat? She says, wherever you want to go. I don't care. So I'm like, okay, let's go to Mama J's Pizza. I hear that they get really good pizza. I'm not really in the mood for pizza. <laughs> okay. Well, how, how about we go down here and we get some brisket and barbecue. She's like, oh, I'm not really, you know, you do that all the time and I'm not really into it. Okay. All right. Well, we can go get us a steak. No, I'm not really into that. And so finally, inevitably, I just go, well, where would you like to go? And then she says this, and guys, you, you know, you know this. Why do I always have to pick? <laughs> and I can tell you, I never answer that question. <laughs> I'm just, babe, I love you, and I just want to make you happy. While we're stuck at a stop sign, this entire conversation's happening, and I don't know which way to go. And so I'm thoroughly convinced that we would struggle with the first steps, but God in his goodness and his kindness gives us these first steps. So I would like to look here at verse 2. It says, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, the first thing I want us all to notice here is the word all. That word there means complete, 100%. So we don't have the option to do it only a little bit. 
we, we can't, God's goal for us is not the partial obedience of Jonah, right? He wants all. He wants us to do this with everything we have, with all of our capacity. And then he says this. I, I want you to notice the layering here because he uses the first word humility. And if we're not humble, there's no way we're going to be gentle. And if we're not gentle, there's no way that we're going to be patient. So it's really important that we realize these aren't just random structures. It's, it's very, very intentional. But I want us to notice the connection here, the word love. Pastor Ron preached a wonderful sermon last week on love. And what happens here is if we don't have love, if we're not loving, there's no way we can be humble, gentle, and patient. So it's important for us to realize, now this is my personal theology. I believe that at the moment we enter into a relationship with Jesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says the Holy Spirit comes into us and seals us for the day of redemption. But one of the things that is an incredible gift is we are overwhelmed by the love of God. Ephesians chapter 2, even while we were separate from him, even while we were in a bad spot, Jesus loved us first. Every believer has one gift in common, the gift of love. And Paul says, if you don't have love and you try to minister it sounds like Shane playing an instrument. It's not good. It's very clangy. And so hopefully you're seeing the importance of this. And again, Pastor Ron did such a wonderful job speaking about this because there's no way that we can fathom all of God's love. And I personally believe that means that I have unlimited potential to love because of the spirit that lives within me. So let's look at virtue number one, humility. So what, what does it mean by, what does Paul mean by humility? Well, it's, it's very interesting here. Humility means that I'm going to treat people equally, that I'm going to value, that I'm going to raise up people that maybe are not from the same socioeconomic group that I'm in, that I'm going to love the outsider, the misfit. I'm going to raise them up just like I would honor somebody that came in that was a billionaire. What Paul is instructing is that we're to treat each other equally and be humble. Actually, in the Philippians chapter 2, it says that we're to look out for the interest of others. And that that word lookout actually means to intentionally search out. How many of you have went house hunting before? Oh, there's an intentionality around that, right? You just don't go to random places. You've been online. You're looking at things. You've been specific with your real estate agent. It's all very intentional. And so what we find here is that Paul is asking for us to have that same type of, of intentionality looking out for others as we would for ourselves. So be humble. Now, Paul's idea of humility turned the first century world upside down. 
As a matter of fact, it's seen in Ephesians chapter 5. Aristotle and Plato came up with this family class system that you see in chapter 5, that Paul says the husband, he says the wife, the child, and the servant. And one of the things, I know it's a, it's, you know, it's a passage we struggle with because we don't like the word submit. But see, the power in that passage of Scripture is when he says to the first century man, submit to God. Submit to your wife in mutual submission. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to be humble. I'm going to look out for the best interests of my wife. And, you know, today we, we take that for granted. But back then, you know, women had no rights. And to tell a first century man, hey, you need to submit to your wife, they would have been like, ah, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. And submit to my children? Like, children were next to livestock. You want me to submit to children? So this idea of humility turned the world upside down, and we have seen throughout the history of Christianity that this is an overriding thing. Let's be humble. Let's raise people up. Let's keep moving here. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus himself, the creator of everything that exists, and according to Colossians, not only is he the creator of everything that we see and don't see, he's also the sustainer. And Jesus says, I've come not to be served, but to serve. The first book of the New Testament, the oldest book of the New Testament, James, encourages the same thing. Don't look out only for those of privilege. You need to be looking out for everyone else and honor everyone the same. Let's look at virtue number two. Gentleness. Now, Gentleness, when I grew up in kind of man culture, that's not a word we used a lot. And it's, I kind of struggled with what that looked like. And, and gentleness means self-control and kindness. But Paul doesn't just stop there. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, he says that even the creator himself, Jesus the Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. His character was described as gentleness and meekness. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that my Jesus is gentle and meek and not mean and hard and hateful and finicky and spiteful. Amen? Amen. Now, this next one, this next virtue that we're going to go into, every time I hear this virtue, there's a song that goes off in my mind. And it's an 80s song, and it's by a rock band. And I'm going to actually give you a hint at the song. So I want you to look here at this next slide. All we need is what? Close, but no cookies for you. If you know the song, all we need is patience. Yeah, yeah. See, I won't sing ever again. All right? But that's kind of how the song goes. All we need is patience. So let's talk about the virtue of patience. Because I know no one in here struggles with patience. 
right? I struggle with patience. Just watch me drop. But anyway, patience. This means calm under fire and slow to anger. In our vernacular, we might say, be a person with a very long fuse. If there's anything that our culture needs right now, it's that one. Combined with the other ones that's based out of love. Patience. You know, it's, it's hard when people are disagreeing and there's so much anger and animosity and frustration and all of those things, but yet because of our calling that we've accepted and moved into Jesus, because of that relationship, Jesus is saying to us that we have to be patient. We have to be the people of the long fuse. We can't respond how other people respond. This one, Pastor Ron, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to be a, a, a person that's patient. So verse three, I'm moving quick here because I'm only blessed for 30 minutes. All right, so verse three, being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So I want you to notice the layering here. Paul tells us, to love. We've received love, therefore love. He tells us to be humble. He instructs us to be gentle and to be patient. If we don't do those things, there's no way we have a chance for unity. It's impossible. When we keep ourselves in the frame, the center of our universe, it's hard to be in unity with other people. Now, unity is not unanimity. We're not all to look the same. And I know a lot of you look at me and go, thank the Lord. I love my hair. Amen? So the picture here is more of a symphony with all the different pieces playing the same, the, the orchestra playing the same kind of music, but bringing who they are to the picture, it creates this lovely, beautiful piece of music. I can remember I was 18 years old before I heard my first classical piece of music. And I was like, I have been under a rock listening to Hank Williams Jr. too long. <laughs> but I fell in love with classical music. The next thing I want us to notice here is that words matter. Notice he didn't say, be diligent to create the unity. He says, be diligent to keep the unity. Because see, in chapter 3, it, it says to us that Jesus has already provided for us the unity. One God, one faith, one baptism. Matter of fact, he says it again after these verses. God has already given us the unity. We just have to keep it. Well, how do we do that? By being loving, humble, gentle, and patient. But he says what it looks like. He gives us a descriptive here. He says, the unity in the bond of peace. 
you know, oftentimes we go through storms in life and our relationships can get rocky and things just don't feel right. And all of a sudden when Jesus comes in and he says to the storm, peace be still, we've all recognized that and the peace is overwhelming and it's just like, oh, this feels right. Thank you, Jesus, this feels right. So in here, it means that, hey, we can think differently. We can look at situations differently. But you know what? Jesus is in the center of the frame, and we've all been called to follow him. We've all been called to look like Jesus. And so when we walk in this symphony, in this orchestra-type union, it looks like peace. So here's a few things I think that we can do to kind of practice. So we all have that special person in our lives that helps us be more like Jesus. They try our love. (laughs) They try our patience, humility, and gentleness. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to be intentional with it. Pray that you would be more, what? Kind and gentle towards them. The second thing, find something positive about them. Because sometimes with those special people, we don't see anything but the bad. So let's be intentional about seeing the good because guess what? They are also created, right? And loved by God. And so find it, but then also share it with them. Go up to them and say, hey, I noticed you know, earlier that you were helping somebody with this. And I just want to say that that really blessed me. Thank you. Or that meant a lot to me. Thank you. And I guarantee you when you start to do that and you find a way to serve them, that special person takes on a different significance. Amen? The second application. We all know people who are struggling and there are people in this room struggling. Life is difficult. Have you you noticed that? Matter of fact, Jesus himself says what? In this life, there will be what? Trouble, suffering. So people are all around us. So here's the first thing that we can do. It sounds simple, but it's not. We can be intentional about what we pray for, for people who are struggling. The second thing, find practical ways to serve them. You know, this church, I have heard story after story after story of how you have stepped up to the plate and loved your fellow new lifers through times of storms. I have heard the way that your church stepped up and embraced not only this community, but other communities during the fire. Can I say well done? Well done. You you were doing this. And then this other one is offer the gift of friendship. When people go through struggles in life, I I know that we oftentimes struggle with what to say or how to respond. But sometimes just being present is all you need to do. Sometimes doing what you already do well, a hug, is all we need to do. Offer that gift of friendship because sometimes... The struggle lasts longer than sometimes we're willing to spend the time investing in, but all for friendship, amen? So let's pray. So Father, I come before you this morning. 
And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the spirit that lives within us. I thank you for the intentionality behind these passages of scripture that we're not left to our own devices. And so, Father, I pray that as we go about our lives this week, that we would practice these principles that Paul has laid out for us, these virtues that we need to add into our lives. In your name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.